Are you ready to take your accounting career to new heights? Look no further. You're listening to From Zero to Millions, Accounting Edition. I'm Kelly Roars. And I'm Bilal Mihana. Together, we bring you treasure trove of expertise in the world of accounting. As the founders of our own firms, we truly understand the challenges you face day in and day out. Our combined experience with small and online businesses paired with our background in accounting and entrepreneurship is sure to help you bring your firm to the next level. Together, we'll deep dive into essential topics like staffing, technology, billing, goal setting, HR, and tax planning. We're here to provide practical advice that applies to CPAs, accountants, and business owners alike. So don't miss out on the opportunity to supercharge your accounting career and build the firm of your dreams. Hello and welcome to this week's episode from Zero to Millions Accounting Edition. This week, we have myself, Kelly Roars, and Bilal Mahana. And it's just going to be the two of us. Yes, this week we're going to have a discussion about the practice, accounting in general, and how to handle bad clients. Bad clients. That's the topic of the week here. Especially under the year where you're trying to get new clients, which is a perfect time to get clients right now. It's also a perfect time to hire clients. Now trying to be like, you know, I'm getting those type of clients are coming in the door. What are the signs to look for if this potential client prospect, they can be a bad client or a good client? What does a bad client and good client mean in general, right? Obviously, a bad client, that person is going to bargain with you on prices. They give you things last minute. They email you or call you in the night. They want things uh, all the time. They ask a lot of questions and they don't value your price or your time. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like people don't even realize like it's okay to fire the client because a lot of it, you know, we could talk about bad habits of clients all day. We know what they are. You just listed out some really good points. And, you know, I think what happens is people feel guilty. People feel bad. They don't want to leave clients in a bad place or they don't want to lose the money. They're afraid they're not going to be able to make it up for bringing on new business. And there's this fear factor involved. With- I agree. In my mind, the biggest fear is the money. The second biggest fear is the interaction. The client here will no longer want to be with you. I think that's even also as equal to the money-wise because people don't want to tell people you fired. We don't like to fire employees because of those things, right? Unless they do really, really bad things. It doesn't have to be really nasty or mean. And listen, you may get clap back from the client. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there's plenty of nice ways to fire the client by saying, listen, this is not a good fit for me and my practice anymore. It's as easy as going on to Google or ChatGPT and saying, hey, what are the best words that I can use to fire this client? And not doing this in the heat of the moment. I think that's important too. Not telling a client to go scratch while they're pissing you off. Take the time digest what's happened with the client or what's accumulated with the client, listen to people like us, do some research, obtain a disengagement letter. I think that's important and easy to do. I've fired quite a few clients in the couple of years that I've been in business. And I have to tell you, I think I was in business for just about a year and I ended up firing my biggest client. Oh, wow. And it was a very pivotal point, I think, for me. I was very nervous to do so. 
obviously biggest client means a lot of money. So just like you said, that's the biggest fear factor Mm -hmm. for people. But the client was driving me crazy. The client was not adhering to the scope of our engagement. The client wanted everything immediately. I wanted to raise the fees. I tried to compensate for the additional engagement that they needed. And of course, there was resistance with raising fees. I think a real little resentment was built up. And it was a really difficult decision. But like when it was stressing me out so much to do my job and I am running my own firm, I don't want to feel this way about any client that I work with. So I told him, listen, this is not a good fit for me anymore. There was also some things going on with their business that I wasn't exactly comfortable with. So if you get to that point, Because we know that not every client is an angel. I don't want to be associated with certain things. I have a license Mm -hmm. and I have to adhere to ethical regulations. I told him it wasn't a good fit. It wasn't a great conversation. I don't think he was very happy, but boy, did I feel free afterwards. You have all the fear building up, but when you let it go, you feel good about it. All the fear of money and then facing the client and tell them, you know, we'll let you go. Once that happens, the firm is not crumbling, not closing the shop the next day. It continues on. You, you continue. And I think firing your biggest client takes a lot of guts, I think. And when you do that, the fear goes away completely. I never faced that situation where I had to fire my biggest client. My biggest client was kind of my friend. And I wasn't going to fire them because they're my friend. And it was more organization. They're not organized. Like they would give me things last minute. But everything else, price-wise, I raised the price, I have no problem. We change the engagements to make sure that is what we do exactly. We tell them you have to bring in an in-house accountant because we can't do the accounting anymore because you're too big and we need something on the other side. So he was following directions, but his biggest problem was giving me things last minute and, and not knowing the whole information. So he kept things to himself. Initially, what I learned from building this firm for the past four years, I would say, is watch out for a new client. The flags that you should watch out for. For me, I had really painful experiences with one client brought on, I think, first year was my second year at firm. I thought she could be a good client. But then looking back, hindsight 2020, I saw those signs. I was like, okay. Now, I get a client that will do the same thing, boom, I'm not taking them off. One was bargaining price. I give them a price. What I did is that I provided them a value here. Potentially, what we can do for you is save you excellent money in taxes. So investment is 5x, 10x. So she came to me around this time, like late in November, early December. And she had a great year in her business and she wanted to do something just to save a lot of taxes. All right. So we came up with a plan and it was a cash balance plan to save probably 100 grand in taxes. No, she put away 100 grand. So save 37% taxes. Top of that, and that was like initial call to say, hey, we can do this for you. We will push it under the year and we can do it. I don't pay this price. It's like, I'm saving you at least 40 grand in taxes. I'm doing the accounting for you with taxes and all this stuff. No, I can you learn a little bit? Okay, fine. Lord it twice. So four months in, she tells me, I think I'm overpaying you. Wow. I was like, okay, we did the one cash balance plan. We had the couple other tax strategies. Total, we saved like 70 grand in taxes. You know, 70 grand, what you pay me per year, in the next five years, the taxes are going to be saved. We save every year this much money in taxes. 
So you were like for free. I was like, okay, no problem. We cut her off. Transitioning to fire her was also horrible. There's, I don't know, something wrong with her. She would follow me, email me every month. I want this. You came in December and you fire me and you let me go. It would be a good fit because you came back to a lower price. I was like, okay, that's it. We're done. In April, so you've been with five months. The things that happened before that, I don't have those things. So she kept on every month email me. So every prospect that came after her, whatever the price I sat, if they say anything else, if they lower the price by 100 bucks, 50 bucks, 1,000 bucks, whatever it may be. Because the way I approach clients, I provide value first. I show them, here, this is what I can do for you. Before I give them all the secrets of the strategies, but potentially this is what I can do for you. And if they don't see the value upfront, and they don't say, okay, if I can save you 20, 30 grand in taxes, and you know, you'll pay me a fraction of that, and they see this is a big price, from the beginning, that tells me a lot about the client. That whatever you do for them, they don't care. Unless you do it for free or even more, they don't care. That's one of the biggest flags I look for for clients that when they come in is the pricing. If they don't value the price, you're not going to value your work. So that's like the biggest factor for me, for new clients. Distance clients are different, but what, what was your experience with your client? Just like you said, if the first thing that comes out of your mouth is what is the price, I don't think that you're going to be a good fit for me. Anybody who's price shopping, I just think, listen, it's good to do your due diligence. I'm not trying to take advantage of anybody, but I also am trying to feed my family and not run a public accounting firm where everybody has to work 80 hours a week to get a regular living wage. In this day and age, like anybody who's price shopping, it's just not a good fit for people like you and I. I think it's very clear that our firms provide a lot of value. And if we can quantify it, great. If we're doing taxes and we can say, hey, I see this and this, and I think I can save you this much money, this justifies my fee, great. But it's not always about that either. It's about actually providing clear and accurate financials, which you and I both know that a lot of people don't have. And it's about those advisory services and the ability to help our clients make important decisions in their lives to meet short and long-term goals. So for me, I think one of the best things that I did a year ago, I decided to stop taking meetings for free with potential client. I think I charge a very fair fee for a 25 minute call. It's $150 to book the call. They provide their tax returns. They answer a questionnaire prior to the call. I give them feedback on their returns. We make an introduction to each other. It works out great because I can gather more information about them before the call, be able to provide them small advice answer a few questions on the call. And then if they come on as a client, that $150 goes towards their service. Now, that right away, weed out anybody who's fee sensitive. People are not paying $150 up front. It's a small fee. Uh, I know plenty of other accountants who are charging a lot more for a consult. And listen, it's not like a full-blown consult. This is an introductory meeting with a few points and it's basically information gathering. It doesn't just cover that 25 minutes. You and I both know that when we take on a client, we're looking at prior year returns, we're looking at accounting records, we're putting thought into what should the fee be? What should the scope of the service be? What services do they really need? And maybe even offering them a couple of different levels of service. So there's a couple of hours that definitely go into a new client, but at least I can gather this data and see 
you know what, maybe they're not a good fit right off the bat. And I have refunded that $150 and said, listen, I don't think that this is a good fit, whether it be the industry that they're in or, you know, their needs at the time. I have said, I'm going to refund you the fee. Talk about like bad habits. I've had people pay the fee and then not show up to the call or not listen to instructions or not fill out the questionnaire. And if people can't do that, can you imagine what they would do to you when they were an actual client? Yeah, because initially, if you want to show your first impression and they want to show the first impression, if they don't care about showing the best impression in the beginning, they're not going to do anything after that. Yeah. I've had people not even show up to the call and then say, oh, I didn't realize we had the call. And I said, well, you didn't even provide anything beforehand. Yeah. And they're like, oh, let's reschedule. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think this is going to be a good fit. I'll just press refund on your credit card through Stripe and we'll call it a day. I agree. In the beginning, those communications, they fall out and they don't follow directions. There's no trust built initially. It's hard to gain that trust. And my good clients, at the beginning, they trusted me from initial call. Hey, uh, upload all the tax returns. Okay, no problem. Do this. Okay, no problem. That's what I can do for you. Okay, no problem. I show the value. Okay, let's sign up. But like easy, one, two, three. Mm -hmm. Clients take time. When I think about it, don't follow directions. Don't upload anything. If they want to upload the tax returns, if I upload the hour before the meeting, but like, I can't provide much value like an hour before. For firms that are starting out, you have to really build your firm initially on good clients. You're going to have a hard time. If you have a few bad clients and then you're growing initially and you start hiring staff, that's what becomes more difficult now because you have to manage staff, you have to manage bad clients, and now you're more stressful. Honestly, you build your firm the right ways with content, all those things we talked about before. But once the pipeline is filled up and you get people in the door that want to be your client, watch out for those signs. It's important to have the expectations set initially. Hey, if you don't do your homework, we can't get what you want. It's a two-way street. It's a 50-50 partnership. A hundred percent. I had another client who I think he was on for about a year and a half. And it was referred over to me by a bookkeeper. We weren't doing the bookkeeping. Uh, we were just doing tax projections and planning for him and tax returns. And he would never do his homework. He would never get me anything that I asked for. But if he needed something, it was like the world was on fire. He needed it as soon as possible. He would be calling my cell phone texting me. And if I didn't answer him within an hour, he would be like flipping out. And I just always noticed it wasn't just about his habits with me. It was a way that he treated other people, whether it was somebody who worked for him or a family member that he would talk about. And if you think that they wouldn't do the same thing to you, if you notice a pattern like that, you've got another thing coming for you. So if you have a client like that in your life that's driving you crazy and every time you look at the phone, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to deal with this person or oh, this guy again, like it's time to let them go. And you and I both know it sometimes immediately right then and there, like today may not be the time to let them go. For this particular person, I finished up his 2022 tax returns. April 15th, a letter went out. I sent it via email and I also sent it certified mail to his house and I let him know, listen, you're not a good fit. You need to find somebody else. And he was a little spicy. I don't even think he signed the return receipt, 
which is just ridiculous. But, you know, that just goes to show that I knew it wasn't a good fit. And sometimes we have to go through the motions. But then, you know what? I do have another story. Mm -hmm. So last year during tax season, I think we all should make our list. We've got our list coming up. We're going to put on the list to raise their fees. Yeah. And who we're going to fire or who's on the bottom of the list. Right. And let's see what their behavior is over the next couple of months. And so I had three clients on the list. I ended up firing two. The third one, she was not in a good position. I told her, I'm like, listen, you're on my list. I'm done with you. You're, you need to change your habits. And you know what? She has been like a pleasure really? since that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just have to set boundaries. And, you know, I was like, wow, I can't believe this woman has turned into a different person over the last six months. I'll say average bad clients. They're not like horrible. The horrible ones I fire. I fired two this year. But the ones that are bad, but they're good people, but just their actions, like they're late on everything. Then when I talk to them, they apologize. You know, I'm sorry for this. I'm so lucky, no problem. So those type of people, I hire the fees more than usual. And when they argue with me on the price, I was like, it is what it is, man. So I came up with a lot of different things. And then at that time, they decide to want to stay early kind of dictates if they still see the value or not. So that could be a way to get out instead of firing them, higher the price. If they stay, then you let them know, now you pay me a lot more. You should do more work together and get the full value we both want. I fired two clients this year, one earlier in the year and one later in the year. The one that I fired did not want to file his tax return. We finished everything. We finished the books. We're reconciling everything. It's all set and done. We finished the tax return, send it through for him because we send every return for the client to look at it, sign the ADA 79. Once they sign it and review it and they accept everything, we file. So we send it probably July of last year, June of last year for business and personal. Hey, take a look at it. What do you think? Let me know. Okay, no problem. Hey, you know, it's been two months. We haven't heard from you. What's going on? Do you want to file it? No, wait. Let's wait on it. Wait one, wait. Oh, I'll let you know. 9.15 go by. We haven't filed his business. So the 15 approaches. Hey, Mr. D, what's going on? Do you want to file or no reply? A few weeks later, email. Why haven't filed yet? So by January, I send them an email to disengage. That's it. And this guy was playing me another hundred bucks a month. So it wasn't wow. like a few hundred bucks. He was the biggest. My average is about 1400 bucks a month. Client. Okay. So hey, we were doing all the bookkeeping and tax compliance. And so it's a little bit tax planning. This guy was doing a lot. I wasn't doing bookkeeping. Obviously, my staff was doing bookkeeping. And my time with him was like two hours a year. So it wasn't a lot of my time. They don't want to file a tax return. I was like, I don't want to be part of that. He owed money. There was a sign. The second guy I fired was same thing, but different. Taxes. Hey, dude, the past three years, I saved you enough money. You haven't paid taxes. We did the tax plan together. You literally didn't pay tax past three years. This year, your business went up like 30%. So you owe some money, you know, 20 grand, not a lot. Based on our tax planning, if we apply, you will owe it by $6,000. If we didn't apply, if we applied past three years, you will owe this year $36,000. So $30,000 or more. You will get a refund back because you have a down year. So all the money you put in withholding will come back to you. So it'll be equal out because you put about 20 grand in withholding. I don't think I owe taxes. Something's wrong. You did something wrong. Your account is not right. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. My staff reviewed it. My senior staff reviewed it. I reviewed it. If something's wrong, let me know where it's wrong. Like, in case you say it's wrong. So he stood at that. Like, I don't owe taxes. I don't pay. Okay, fine. 
This guy would also pay me 30, 40 bucks a month. It wasn't a couple of hundred dollars a client. So these clients, even though they pay a lot, they have clients that pay way more. I have a client, literally, he pays me about four grand a month, almost, for him, past three years. So he saved a lot of money on R&D, okay? And last year, the R&D changed. It's not as benefit for you, because now you have to pay more taxes. You still get the credit, but you have to add back the, the expenses for Section 174. But we still have to do R&D, because if we stop doing R&D, there'll be a red flag that you might get audited. Because we did the past three years. So that was early part of February. I was like, okay, so we can wait and extend. The Congress will change the rules because they was talking mm-hmm. about that earlier in the year. Those were up in the air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's pay the taxes now. If it changes, we're amend and, and, and get the refund. Okay. He said, beloved, it is what it is. We have to pay, we'll pay. And if the rules change, we'll change. I was like, no problem. So you can clients like that, that are, they make them a lot of money. They want compliant, but at the same time, I'll save a lot of money in taxes. There's no room out of it. I'll pay it. I have no problem. And then they're happy and go about it. So you have the good, good side. And this guy had to add back almost 300 grand, okay, in section 174. And he's making, what, $2 million a year, okay? So he lives in California. He's making $2 million a year already. So it is in California. So he's paying almost 50% taxes. Has to add back. That's another 400 grand in taxes. Not 20 grand. The other guy, which is what he was mad about. 400 grand. He was like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. It is what it is. Let's pay it. People are wild. I honestly want to mention one more crazy client habit, I think, that I've noticed a couple times. As you're talking about these clients, a couple of more clients came to mind for me. One guy, he didn't want to pay his tax either. And I'm like, this isn't negotiating here. I've done what I needed to do and what's available to you. You owe the tax. It's not, hey, you owe 100 and I'm only going to pay 50. The guy had the money in the bank. This is not the way this works. So I knew right away that guy, goodbye. But two or three other people who have paid me and then just ghost me. Do you want to continue to get paid for somebody who just doesn't answer your emails? That's wild to me. Exactly. Literally like paying me monthly or quarterly or I had somebody come to me to do, you know, three or four years of tax returns and bookkeeping, eight grand. We did a lot of the work and then he just disappeared for two years. Oof. You know, so actually I added a stipulation into my engagement letter after that one because he came back. He's like, oh, sorry. I had some stuff going on. I know it's been a little bit. I'm like, yeah. A little bit, you know, if you want to do this again, you're going to have to pay a lot more. I don't even remember what we did for you two years ago. And I don't want to work with you. Um, But I added a little stipulation. I worked with an attorney. I adjusted my engagement letter. Like if we don't hear back from you in three months, we're keeping your fee Mm -hmm. and you're fired. I think the moral of the story is you really need to vet potential clients And not only understand what's going on in their finances, but try to get a feel for who the person is and what their ethics and morals are and how they treat other people and what their behavior is like before you even engage with them. I I, I agree. I think sometimes you pick up those signs, those red flags. Sometimes you don't. Once you engage with them, you're working with them. The fear of firing them should not be, it should overcome. Once you overcome that fear, it becomes okay. It becomes easier. To have go becomes easier a lot. And you see those signs as you build your firm. 
It's very important to build your firm on the clients that you want. It'll be a lot easier. It's like the foundation. You start the foundation. It's like building a house. If you build the house with bad clients, you won't have staff staying around. You'll be stressed out the whole time. You won't get money out of them. Everything crumbles, I think, when you have a lot of bad clients. Bad clients stay around. Your staff uh, look at you and say, hey, this guy is all about money. 100%. So you got to fire those people and you got to be confident about it. And you got to know that there are an abundance of clients out there. There's a shortage of accountants. Big time. Everybody needs to file their tax return and every business owner needs in a set of accounting records. Just have the confidence and know that if you fire that client, there are many other people out there to replace them. I 100%. People just have to figure out who they are, who they want to represent, who they want to work, work with. I think that's very important for a lot of CPA firms, a lot of accounting firms. A lot of people that want to start their firm or build their firm, those standards is important. But also one thing I want to mention, part of this podcast is helping CPA firms, accountants in general, grow their firm, start their firm, and, and know that those things that we went through, that they're not going through by themselves. They have help. They can be listened to. Every firm goes through the situation. Every firm goes through firing clients and it's not easy, but they have to say that it's part of growth that you want to achieve what you want to achieve as an entrepreneur. That's very important. What you want to achieve cannot be with bad clients and bad clients will eventually learn their mistakes because if they get fired by you, they go somebody else and they get fired by them. Again, they see, oh yeah, they see a pattern. That's important. Or at least come up with a game plan. If you have doubts, maybe hit up your friends, hit up other accountants and bounce ideas off of them. And maybe you'll be lucky with the one person that you try to send boundaries with and they become a great client afterwards, like this one person for me. But also it was so freeing to let go of certain clients. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of From Zero to Millions Accounting Edition with Bilal Mahana and myself, Kelly Roars. And I want to leave you guys today with a little quote. So may your balance sheets be prosperous and your success be earned one meticulous entry at a time. Want to stay connected with us beyond the podcast? You can find us on LinkedIn to keep the conversation going, ask questions and stay updated on the latest in the accounting world. Head over there to share your greatest takeaway from today's conversation. We love to hear from you.